Baptism Sunday, and there's five young people, or not all of them are so young, I guess, but there's five people that will be sharing their story, um, and four of them will be taking the dunk today. And um, before they come and you hear from them, I just want to set it up for you and uh, share a little bit about baptism. By deciding to be baptized, these men and women are following Christ's example. They are demonstrating that they are followers of Christ and they are obeying Jesus' command, command found in what we call the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, God's mission is and always will be, go and make disciples. Another way to say this is, go, be fruitful and multiply. This is the language that God used with Adam and Eve in the beginning. It's the language of a father speaking to his children about his purpose and theirs. I didn't create this place, this garden, this earth, just for you. I created it for your children and your children's children. Go and make a family as big as you possibly can. Don't ever stop being fruitful and multiplying. Don't ever stop increasing the number of my family. This is God's mission, and it always will be. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and find people from every nation and invite them to become part of my family. God wants a big family made up of every nation. So, when God started his family, it was actually called the nation of Israel. And it began with a promise from God to a man named Abraham. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. He goes on to say that all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So God began forming his people... He began to build his family through Abraham and Sarah. They gave birth to Isaac, who begat Jacob, who begat Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his 11 jealous brothers. He ended up in Egypt, and by God's sovereignty, Joseph was promoted by Pharaoh and put in charge of all the land of Egypt. He happened to be in charge during years of great famine. The famine was so bad that his his own family was forced to travel from their home in Canaan to Egypt to get rations. And it was during this time that Joseph and his family were reunited because of Joseph's position and the favor he had. Because of that position and favor, he had his entire family, 70 in number, move to Egypt so they could be close and could be provided for. That story is found in the book of beginnings, Genesis then in the next book, Exodus, it begins like this, verse 6 to 8. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous, so that the land was filled with them. Sounds like a plague. Then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. And you know how the story goes. The new king felt threatened by Israel's numbers. 
And so he oppressed them. And the more that he oppressed them, the more their numbers increased. And so he had to make a decree that every boy that is born must be thrown into the river Nile. And it was at this time that Moses was born. And miraculously, he was saved by being placed in a basket in a river by his mom. He was rescued by God through Pharaoh's daughter who ended up raising him. And you need to, you need to get this. That as he grew up in Pharaoh's home, there came a day when he realized what was really true of him. He realized his true identity. He learned that he was born an Israelite, and he belonged to the people of God. For Moses, this changed everything. He began to see things different. He saw the slaves no longer as slaves, but as family, being mistreated and taken advantage of. It angered him, and he ended up killing an Egyptian and running for his life. And after 40 years later, God meets him in a burning bush and calls him to return to Egypt and free his people from slavery and lead them to the promised land. What a great story. It really is a great story, and it gets better. After God's display of power through plagues, the last one being the first Passover, where all God's people take the blood of lambs and put it on their doorposts and lentils, right? So that the angel of death, when he comes, literally passes over them, but not the Egyptians. And because of the death of every firstborn son, every male, uh, every male son in Egypt, Pharaoh finally decides to let God's people go. And that sets up the unforgettable Red Sea crossing. You remember, the people of God are stuck with nowhere to go. And because Pharaoh changes his mind, he begins to pursue them to bring them back as slaves. And I should mention here that the people of God had been slaves for 430 years. That's a long time. It's actually long enough to have cemented into your family, cemented into your nation, the firm belief that you are a slave. And that's your identity. But you remember, Moses lifts his rod, which represents the authority given to him by God. And the Red Sea opens, and they cross over on dry land. And Pharaoh and his armies pursue, but get swallowed up in the seas, and they close in on them. And their bodies, it says, end up washing them all over the shore. And as my boys say, that's, that, that really happened. That's really true. It's crazy history. It's an amazing history. The people of God, after 430 years being slaves, are now free. And God begins to what? Form a new community that would learn His ways, and those ways would bless the world and reveal who God really is to the nations of the world. See, God's still thinking about growing His family of nations. It's an amazing story. But it even gets better. And there's two things that can help make this story look better. They act as lenses. First of all, it would be that the New Testament writer Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, he says that they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And then in Deuteronomy, he says that God will one day raise up a prophet just like Moses who will save his people and you need to listen to that prophet. 
So you need to see that Moses was a foreshadowing of Jesus, the great prophet and the great king to come. What Moses did by delivering God's people from death and slavery revealed or foreshadowed what Jesus was going to do for us. It's an awesome story. This is a great story. Through Moses, got to grasp this, through Moses, the first Passover came, which saved his people from death. Then he led them through the Red Sea with the authority that God gave them and rescued them from slavery. Passover, saved from death, baptism, saved from slavery. They were literally baptized into a new identity. And I want you to think about it like this. Before the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, how were they known to the entire world? As slaves. The entire world saw them and knew them as nothing more than slaves. Now, after the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, how were they now known to the entire world? As big and strong people? No. No, as a people with a big and strong God, chosen by Him. See, after the Red Sea, they were now known by their God and His saving work on their behalf. This is awesome. It's a brand new identity. It's powerful, if you believe it. This was their baptism. They went from being slaves and known as slaves to becoming free and known as God's chosen people. Their old life as slaves was over and dead. And now they were brought into a new land with a new beginning and a new life as God's children, known as God's chosen people. Again, what Moses did by saving Israel from slavery, giving them a new start with a new identity to live a new life known as God's people, Jesus did for us. And that's why the story just keeps getting better. Jesus became our Passover lamb, sacrificed for you and for me. Baptism does not save you. The blood of Jesus Christ alone saves you. His sacrifice on the cross for your sins, for the sins of all those who believe and trust in and rely on His sacrifice. And that's why we observe Passover, the Lord's Supper, consistently. Because it is so significant. Through it we remember that by His blood alone, and not our strength, not our works, are we saved from death. Because he conquered death. And baptism. Baptism is a significant step for each family member to take. Because it serves as a public declaration of what is already real and true about them. Baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit. See, through baptism... Your identity is established. 
They are no longer a slave to sin, but a child of God. By the act of baptism, they are declaring that they are no longer defined by their sin, failure, or successes, or by what they do or don't do, but by the loving action of a God redeeming, rescuing, and adopting them through Jesus. Such good news. Do you remember Jesus' baptism? Do you remember it, Glenn? (laughs) Were you there? Jesus was baptized, and he came to his cousin John the Baptist, and remember what his, his cousin said? He's like, no. He tried to deter him, saying, I shouldn't be baptized. Uh, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And then this is how Jesus responds. He says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Pause. Guys, this is my favorite word in the entirety of Scripture. Righteousness. And I learned it well into my... I learned it when I was 20. But I learned it late in life. It's my favorite word, not by a little, but by a lot. Because I am so wrong. I am so unrighteous. My actions and my attitudes and my motives are wrong. And He is so right... Always right. And he says that he will take all my wrong, all my unrighteousness, all my filth, all my sin, and he will literally become sin. And he will die and be raised to life. And in so doing, he now has the authority to offer me an exchange. His righteousness, his sinless record for my life's record full of mistakes, wrong, failure, and sin. God who made him who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. The reason I love righteousness so much is because the reality of becoming the righteousness of God means that right now, forever, I have right standing with God. This is true for me and will never change because it's not based on what I do or what I don't do. I am his child, fully loved, accepted, and approved of by God forever because of Jesus. I love that. There is no better news than this, and it's something we need to celebrate, get excited about, and even drink to. Well, when I say drink, I mean the small little Passover portions, right? It's just worth celebrating. Now, here's the thing. After Jesus was baptized, Glenn, you'll remember this. (laughs) The Father affirmed him. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Affirmed and established his identity. Then the Holy Spirit descends on him and what? Leads him into the wilderness to be tested. The devil came to him. And he began to attack his identity. If you really were the Son of God, you'd do this. If you really were the Son of God, you'd do that. After baptism, there's often times of temptation. Those getting baptized, you need to understand this. And to be sure, the enemy will come and test you. 
If you were a child of God, you wouldn't do that and you wouldn't still act like that. If you were really changed, if baptism really made a difference, you wouldn't walk like that or talk like that or look at that stuff. You'd be different. You keep messing up. You look like and smell like a slave. You're still a slave. No, you're not. No, you're not. See, nature provides one of the greatest illustrations to help us see that you are no longer slaves, but children of God fully loved at the core. Consider the caterpillar. I know. It's good. If we brought a caterpillar to a biologist and asked him to analyze it and describe its DNA, he would tell us, I know that this looks like a caterpillar. But scientifically, according to every test, including DNA, this is fully and completely a butterfly. This is amazing. This is truly amazing that God has wired into a creature looking nothing like a butterfly, a perfectly complete butterfly identity. And because the caterpillar is a butterfly in essence, it will one day display the behavior and attributes of a butterfly. The caterpillar over time matures into what is already true about it. It's from The Cure, some book by McNichol. I should read it, but I love that quote. If you were to take any man or woman who has trusted Christ for salvation and you took them to a spiritual biologist and you asked him to put him through tests to find out what's really true of him or her, it would be the same for all. Although at times you might look like and act like and smell like a caterpillar or a slave, what is really true at the core is that you are a deeply loved, accepted, approved of child of the King. For those who stand up today and get baptized, the truth is that at some point they will sin, make a mistake, or fail in some way. And the danger isn't that they'll sin again. That's all taken care of. The real danger is that they will sin and they will believe that nothing's changed, that they're still a slave. And that is so dangerous because it leads to discouragement, frustration, hopelessness. I just took the step of baptism. I should be further ahead. I shouldn't struggle anymore. But baptism isn't just a step that you take. It's a statement that you make. And it's something you can always look back to when you forget who you are. At Hillside, we practice baptism by full immersion, fully submerging the person down under the water and bringing them back up again. In doing so, we believe that we are following Jesus' example and other examples found in Scripture. Furthermore, we think it best symbolizes the statement each one of these people are making. Number one, I am washed clean. My sins, all of them, forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Number two, I share in the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
His death and resurrection both saves me and redefines me. It's symbolic of my old life as a slave to sin is dead and over, and I am raised out of the water as a symbol of my new life as a child of God, accepted, loved, and free from guilt and condemnation and fear. I love it. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do the right things to become a child of God. They're just a child of God because of trusting Christ. And lastly, I have been given a new start. They're making a statement. I have been given a new start in a new family with a new future and a new father, all made possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, each one of these young people or people that are coming to share their story are a part of God's family. But don't forget, God's mission is and always will be grow my family. Be fruitful and multiply. So as they're baptized today, we want to see them be established in their new identity. And we want to see them learn to live out of that identity as loved children in God's family. But remember our verse. right? Go and make disciples. Grow my family by baptizing them. But it also goes on to say, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, it is our job to teach them everything the Lord has commanded. That might sound daunting to you, but it can all be summed up in one word. Boiled down to two commands. Love God and love others. It's very simple, yet it's impossible without the enabling of God's Holy Spirit. God is love, and Jesus is a lot like His Father. It actually says He's exactly like His Father. And we are made in His image to be like Him through His Spirit. His family of disciples is to be known by what? Love. Known by love. And you know that the Scripture also says that as the end draw nears, the love of most will grow cold. So I find it fitting that Jesus assures us here that He will always be with us to the very end of the age. I will never be alone. He is always with me. And because He is love, I am and will be loved until the very end of the age. Without that security of knowing that I am loved forever, it's impossible for me to go and love others, which is the very thing that both distinguishes God's family and grows His family. May God continue to grow His family through Hillside. Amen. Now I want to call up. We're going to hear from our brothers and one sister. If you guys can come up and we're going to hear their story. You guys can just line up right here. Austin, and part of my instruction, you can come on up, Austin, and I forgot to say, yeah, give him a big hand. Uh, Austin is 12 and part of our middle school.
I wanted to become a Christian because I know God is about love. I have been going to church since I was a little boy, and I have been, and I have seen how God, God's love has helped people. Even though I may do things that are not good at times, I know God still and will always love me. Knowing God will always love me, he has helped me make better for good decisions. With the love of God in my heart, this helps me have this helps me help others by showing them God's love. With my help from my leader at church, I have decided to accept Jesus forever. I have, I have decided to get baptized today because I love God. Sydney Steele. <laughs> so I grew up in a Christian family and I've attended church since I was born. I went to a Christian school for eight years and I felt like I had a pretty good understanding of the Bible and where I stood with my faith. In grade eight, I started going to a public school and I was bullied the whole year for being the new girl from the Christian school. Um, and then I went to high school, which is tough enough for any 14 year old. <laughs> but um, two months in, I had three close family members pass away, which kind of started this downward spiral. I um, failed all my academic courses. I, <laughs> um, I got really depressed. I started drinking. I made bad friends. Um, I just wasn't doing very well. Um, it wasn't until, oh, no. <laughs> I started drifting further and further away from God, and the further I drifted, the more empty I started to feel. I, um, it wasn't until I went to Kenya the first year that the emptiness started to fade. I saw God at work in Seiji and saw his love for the people. I saw his love for me. When I went home, I started, um, I started going back to church. I reconnected with my family, made better friends, and I started to forgive myself because God had forgiven me. I didn't have to be ashamed of what I had done or the things I had said to people. I was forgiven. I was saved. And now I am ready to fully commit my life to Christ, which is pretty awesome. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, Brendan Poor. So over the past couple of years, I have been uh, completely lost and severely depressed. I have found myself and put myself into the darkest place I have ever been in my life. I felt like I had resigned to, to that fate, and from that anguish and pain, I lashed out at those around me, and I hurt the people that I love dearly. In my late teens, I felt like something was missing from my life, and I had ended up deciding to go to a different church from this. Something felt right about being there, and I ended up going for a fair while. But over time, I lost that connection with God, and I ended up going for the social aspect and the people my age, rather than for Him. So I didn't think that was right in my heart, so I ended up stopped going. Then this spring, I found myself at Hillside. And this time I felt his presence and his hand rest on me. And it was completely right. So I kept coming. I realized that I hadn't been living, that I was just existing, unable to control my life or stop. So I decided to give it to him 
and to trust him with my life. That where I was lost, he knew the way. From not knowing myself, he knew me. Since I have put my faith in Jesus, I have seen my life become more peaceful and hopeful. I am becoming more myself again through him, and I feel like my life is more focused and know he is guiding me down a path that even though I can't fully see, I trust his lead. As I keep following him, I see that the path before me comes more into focus, and through that I know him and I love him more for that. The reason that I want to get baptized today is because that I want to commit fully to following Jesus for my life and accept him as my Lord, while understanding that even though it isn't always going to be easy, but still wanting to become more conformed to his image. So just a piece of scripture, uh, verse that uh, has really been speaking to me, is uh, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is especially meaningful to me because it reminds me of my faith, that he is my light and strength, and through him I can weather any storm. Stefan Skiba. I was born into a Roman Catholic family and was baptized as an infant. In those days, we all went to church as a family, but after several years, we ceased attending regularly and began only attending midnight mass once a year. Unfortunately, after years of that, I stopped attending church entirely when I was in my early teens. For the next three decades, I got away from my faith and only attended church once to get married in 1995. I always loved God and knew deep down that he loves me too, but was living anything but a godly lifestyle. Six and a half years ago, something happened in my life that began a series of events that brought me back to my church and my faith. I feel that God intended these events to show me what's important in life and that there is something much bigger and broader than just myself and my ways. I know now, with all certainty, since I've come back to know Jesus, that I am not alone. In Matthew 28:18, we read, and you just saw this on the screen, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. I realize that my ways are vastly different than God's ways, and we're not bringing him honor. So it is time now as an adult to come around full circle and give my life completely back to our Lord and Savior where it belongs. In Colossians 11, we read, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. And Adam Hansen. Hello. I was born and raised in a Christian home. I went to church every Sunday, went to a private school. 
I would go to youth conferences and Bible camps. I called myself a Christian without really knowing what that meant. When my aunt died from cancer, the question came to mind, why do bad things happen to good people? It really took a toll on me. I believed that there was a God, but I didn't believe in a relationship with him. I couldn't believe that God would let someone who was so faithful die. That was a huge turning point in my life. I had a girlfriend whose dad would beat her when he would get high. I didn't understand why God would allow these things to happen. I asked people, but never got much of an answer. I got to the point where I said, screw it, I'm living for myself, I'm living for right now. I didn't care about tomorrow, I didn't care about what happens after death. I enjoyed partying, I enjoyed drugs and alcohol. My work week supported my weekends. That was it. I lost my license, so I moved out of home so I could live close to work. I wanted nothing to do with my parents. I was living with my girlfriend and didn't want to hear all the God talk that my family would talk about. My girlfriend left me, so I moved home, or moved back with a buddy in Port Moody. My mom would ask me to come to church, and I would only go because she asked. I would sing the songs and put on the act. For years, my mom would show me pictures and tell me stories of mission trips they went on, but I really didn't care. In 2012, I joined the Seiji team and went to Kenya with my parents. I wasn't a Christian, but doing things for others was important to me. So I wanted to experience one of these trips for myself. When we would have, when we would worship and do devotions every morning, I felt a tug in my heart. But spending so much time in my life rejecting and not wanting anything to do with God, I just shrugged it off and ignored it. Going to Kenya, right, going to Kenya really affected my life. My my heart broke for the people. I couldn't stand seeing shoeless people walking miles on jagged rocks. I couldn't imagine not going back to Kenya and just being with the people and showing them that there are people out there, who, out there who care. Two days after getting back, I got laid off work, so I moved back home with my parents. I went back to Kenya the next year, and the trip really changed my life in a way I never expected. Again, we worshiped and having devotions, I felt the tug of my heart. In a way, it felt like God grabbed me by the collar of my shirt and told me, if you want purpose, if you want value, you will follow me. I couldn't ignore him, I couldn't ignore him this time. He displayed my life before me, and I was living for nothing, and my life had no meaning. Part of a song kept playing on my head, I'd rather die for what I believe than live a life with no meaning. I broke down and surrendered my life to God, and ever since that day, I changed my ways and stopped living the life I was living. God was with me when I had my life-threatening accident. I know this because I'm alive and I can walk. I don't, I don't think most people would survive such an accident. The power of prayer really contributed to my speedy recovery. When I woke up in the hospital and was not able to walk or talk, I thought, this is who I am going to be forever. I didn't think I was going to be able to walk again. Four years later, four years later. <laughs> four weeks later, I got sent home. I couldn't believe the healing that I received. I got baptized in Kenya because it's a very special place to me, spiritually. I feel much closer to God there. It was such an experience. After I was baptized, the people that were there started singing a song that translated to, Oh, God is good. Oh, God is good. God is good for me. God is good forever. He has washed us with his blood. Men are out and ready, ready for the gospel. And that means men are out of the water, they've been baptized, and ready to preach the gospel.
It was such an honor and privilege to get baptized in the River Yella with Pastor Richard and Pastor Bon. After my accident, Philippians 1.6 stood out for me. And I am sure of this, that he who began, he who began a good work in you will, be willing, will, be, will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. God hasn't finished his work with me. God saved my life, spiritually and physically, for a reason. And I believe I still have a lot of work to do for him. and you can respond appropriately. In order that the congregation present today may know your intentions and your readiness for Christian baptism, we ask you to respond truthfully to the following questions. Is it of your own free will and desire that you come to be baptized today? Have you, through repentance towards God and faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, experienced the forgiveness of sins, and do you now enjoy peace with God? By God's grace, do you commit yourself to living a life in pursuit of Christian holiness according to the teaching of the Word of God? And finally, do you renounce all and any previous involvement in other religions or other spiritualistic practices? And do you now commit yourself to the lifelong worship of the one true God as revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen.